once again, and welcome to episode 112 of Bee Boomer Unleashed. Just good news, journal entry number 10. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Bee Boomer Unleashed. Before we get into today's podcast, let me remind you, as I always do, where you can find our podcast. You can always find us at beeboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play at Be Boomer Unleashed, on iHeartRadio at B.BoomerUnleashed. You can find us on Facebook, Spotify, and Instagram at Be Boomer Unleashed, and you can find our link on Twitter at Be Boomer Unleashed One. And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at BeBoomerUnleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's BeBoomerUnleashed at gmail.com with your comments, criticisms, and suggestions for future episodes. And if you'd like to be a guest on the Bee Boomer Unleashed podcast, tell us what you'd like to talk about, and we'll do our best to get you on the show. Well, today's episode 112, as I said, uh, just good news. And uh, we're going to share some uh, stories of good news of people whose lives were saved, probably because of the Second Amendment to the Constitution. Uh, but And then we're going to tell you why it's important to share stories like this and some things uh, we need to be concerned about. Uh, this particular story happened in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, I'm going to share this story with you. What was supposed to be a regular trip to the ATM for an Albuquerque man and his family turned into a deadly shooting. However, the Bernalillo County Sheriff's Department believes that this shooting was justified. A spokesman with the Sheriff's Department says, So far, all the evidence in this shooting is pointing to self-defense. We received a call from somebody in the South Valley that they had seen their husband fire at least one round at an individual that had assaulted him with a machete says Jamie Fuller. Uh, the Sheriff's Department says it happened on Saturday night when a man's wife called 911 to tell them her husband was being attacked by another man while he was at the Wells Fargo ATM on Bridge near Sunset. Deputies say the attacker was 30-year-old Jamie Roman, and uh, deputies say Roman went after the man with a machete as he was walking back to his car with his entire family. Uh, in the car. At that point, the man who was attacked by Roman fired at least one shot, killing Roman. And the uh, sheriff's department says, looks like self-defense. Well, there's a protection that we have. We're able to defend ourselves. You know, if we had nothing but a a whistle uh, against an attacker wielding a machete, we probably wouldn't be much of a match, would we? Let's take a look at this incident in Florida. A homeowner shot and killed two armed men who were allegedly trying to break into his Florida home on Friday. Another man was wounded in the shooting and faces charges, including second-degree murder, authorities said. The shooting happened shortly after midnight on Friday morning in the Tampa suburb of Wesley Chapel. Sheriff Chris Noko said the man was home by himself playing video games when he heard a commotion at the back of the house. He grabbed a gun, entered a hallway, only to see a masked suspect pointing a gun at him. The homeowner uh, fired on the suspect and killed him. A man behind the first suspect was also gunned down, but managed to fire his gun before he died. 
the sheriff said. Noco said the homeowner opened fire on a third suspect, but his gun jammed and the suspect was able to flee. Noco said a neighbor was then able to hold the third suspect at gunpoint until officers arrived at the scene. The suspect is facing two counts of second-degree homicide and one count of home invasion robbery because he is accountable for the deaths because it was during the commission of a felony that he was involved in that those two people died. And he remains in the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Wow. So the victim in that case exercised his Second Amendment right to protect himself and his home. Um, This incident here happened in Lithia, Florida. The bruises and swelling on Jeremy King's face tell the story of a man on the receiving end of a brutal attack. But his actual account is far more harrowing than his injuries suggest. Two masked men, armed with guns, entered the victim's home. His pregnant wife retreated and grabbed an AR-15. Why do you need an AR-15? Or as President Biden says, an AR-14. Why do you need that? Well, we're going to see why you might need an AR-15. His pregnant wife retreated and grabbed an AR-15. I've got a fractured eye socket, a fractured sinus cavity, a concussion, 20 stitches and three staples in my head, said King, this lady's husband, and when he was outside his home on Old Welcome Road in Lithia, I took a severe beating. King said he was inside his home Wednesday when two masked men armed with guns barged in around 9 p.m., said he doesn't know who they are, never met them, and has no idea why he was targeted. Both men pointed guns at King while demanding money. They came in heavily hooded and masked. As soon as they got the back door open, they had a pistol on me and was grabbing my 11-year-old daughter, he said. I'm telling them I have nothing for you, King explained, and they're like, give me everything you got. It became really violent really fast. King said one of the men started pistol whipping him while another kicked him repeatedly in the the head. His wife, who is eight months pregnant, was in the back bedroom and peeked out to see what was going on. King said one of the men shot at her. She retreated, grabbed an AR-15, and returned fire. When he came toward the back door in her line of sight, she clipped him, King said. He made it from my back door to roughly 200 feet out in the front ditch before the AR did its thing. Deputies later found a man dead in a nearby ditch. The other gunman ran off after the fatal shot was fired. The guys came in with two normal pistols, and my AR stopped it, King said. My wife even the playing field and kept them from killing me. Well, the Biden administration would have us not have that protection. They don't want us to be protected against the thugs. They don't want to uh, want us to be able to protect ourselves against gun-wielding drug addicts. They don't want that. They want everybody to be in control. They want to be in control. You say, well, what in the world are you talking about, Jerry? Well, I'm talking about H.R. 8, a bill that was just passed by the House of Representatives. And I'm talking about H.R. 1446, another bill that was passed by the House of Representatives. 
primarily along party lines. There were, I think, a handful of rhino Republicans who voted for this bill and one Democrat who voted against it. But I uh, predicted, uh, you remember I made some predictions what would happen. This was before the inauguration. My first prediction came true, and that was that Joe Biden was inaugurated on January 20th as the 46th president. I think we knew that was going to happen. A lot of people were in denial, but we knew that was going to happen. Then we said uh, during the first 100 days, there would be massive gun control legislation or executive order. There would be federal gun registration, I said. Well, let's look at these bills and just see what they're talking about. If these bills pass the Senate, which they very easily could, unless you have some Democratic senators stand up against this, and if your home state has a Democratic senator or even a Republican senator who might be soft on um, gun control, he doesn't, you know, he is in favor of gun control, then you might want to contact them, let your voice be heard. Or if you'd rather just sit at home and let somebody pistol whip you to death, then, you know, that, that's up to you. I personally don't want to do that. But H.R. 8, uh, in quotes, it says, to require a background check for every firearm sale. You say, well, that's okay, background check for every firearm sale. Well, let's, let's look at it. Bill about gun sale turns ordinary gun loans into felonies, bans handguns for young adults, and authorizes unlimited fees. This week, U.S. Representative Mike Thompson, Democrat of California, of course he's from California, introduced H.R. 8. According to the title, the bill is to require a background check for every firearm sale. The bill does that and a great deal more. Here's where it's really going to hurt John Q. Public. H.R. 8 requires that loans, gifts, and sales of firearms be processed by a gun store. The same fees, paperwork, and permanent record keeping applies to buying a new gun from the store. If you loan a gun to a friend without going to the gun store, the penalty is the same as for knowingly selling a gun to a convicted violent felon. Likewise, when the friend returns the gun, another trip to the gun store is necessary upon uh, um, paying of, of, of felony. Now, think of that. Think of that. I have uh, good friends that I've loaned guns to before. I have a friend that shoots competitive sports. He uh, borrowed one of my guns to shoot. Uh, under H.R. 8, that's illegal. For me to loan my gun to a military veteran, a law-abiding citizen, without processing that paperwork through a gun store, is a felony and carries with it the same penalty as if I had sold a gun to a known felon. Also, a clever trick in H.R. 8 effectively bans handguns for persons 18 to 20. So these young men and women who can go off and fight for this country in wars on foreign soil are not going to be allowed to own a handgun. 
The bill has some narrow exemptions, not many, but the minuscule exemption for self-defense does not cover stalking victims. None of the exemptions cover farming and ranching, sharing guns on almost all public and private lands, or storing guns with friends while on vacation. The limited exemption for family excludes first cousins and in-laws. The bill authorizes unlimited fees, unlimited fees, to be imposed by regulation. Unlimited. Do you know what unlimited means? That means big bucks to the Democrats. There's a partial exemption, a partial exemption for immediate self-defense, a temporary transfer that is necessary to prevent imminent death or great bodily harm if the possession by the transferee lasts only as long as immediately necessary to prevent the imminent death or great bodily harm. The narrowness of the self-defense exemption endangers domestic violence victims. For example, a former domestic partner threatens a woman and her children. An attack might come in the next hour or the next month or never. The victim and her children cannot know because the attack is uncertain and its certainty uh, is not immediate. The woman cannot borrow a handgun from a neighbor for her defense. In other words, if somebody's got this lady around the neck in the floor, she can say, hey, loan me your handgun here a minute. <coughs> loan me your handgun. But if the threat is not imminent, if he's not breaking the door down, she can't borrow that gun for this guy who's been stalking her or has threatened her bodily harm. Handgun ban for young adults. Since 1968, federal law has said that gun stores may not sell handguns to persons under 21. Uh, 18 U.S.C. Section 922 C.1, Congress has not chosen to prohibit persons aged 18 to 20 from uh, acquiring handguns elsewhere. The large minority, majority of states allow handgun possessions by persons 18 to 20. Some legislatures have forthrightly introduced bills to impose a ban on young adults, and H.R. 8 prohibits young adults from acquiring handguns, but does so with a clever subterfuge. H.R. 8 requires almost all firearm sales and loans to be conducted by a federally licensed dealer because federal law prohibits licensed dealers from transferring handguns to persons under 21 years. H.R. 8 then prevents them from doing that. So the very thing that they tell them to do, the gun dealer can't do it. It's illegal for the gun dealer to do that. So there's no way that that person, 18 to 21 years old, can acquire that weapon. H.R. 8 would prohibit a 20-year-old woman who lives on her own from acquiring a handgun for self-defense in her home, such as buying it from a relative or borrowing it from a friend. Can't do it. Can't do it. Although H.R. 8 allows young adults to acquire handguns by parental gift, not all young adults who are living on their own receive parental uh, uh, largesse. Exorbitant fees may be imposed by regulation. Notwithstanding any other provision of this chapter, the Attorney General may implement this subsection with regulations. Bottom line is, regulators may set a minimum fee, but not a cap on a fee. So you might say, well, the minimum fee is going to be $25, but there's no cap. 
You know, if if we want to charge $10 million, they can do that. The attorney general is allowed to require that every gun store charge a fee of $30, $50, $150, or even more. And even a $20 fee can be a burden for some poor person. What in the world is the matter? Farming and ranching has a limited exemption for hunting, trapping, or fishing, but not for ranching or farming. Firearms transfers at farms and ranches are part of routine operations. Some transfers might last a few hours while others last several weeks. You're going out and check the fence, and you might want a gun in your pocket in case a rattlesnake gets you. But under H.R. 8, that's not going to be the case. That's not going to be the case. Under H.R. 8, for a farmer or rancher to lend a firearm to an employee, they both must travel to a gun store to process the transfer. So if if the uh, farm boss tells the ranch hand to go around and check the fence, he can't give him a handgun, a, a, a revolver with snake shot in it, to carry on his waist while he's checking that fence. So if he encounters a rattlesnake or a cougar or some other wild animal, he can't even defend himself unless the both of them go to a gun store and get that approved federally. This takes the farmer, the rancher, and their ranch hands away from the farmer ranch during what may be the busiest period of the year when everyone needs to work from sunup to sundown. Family members, you can make a loan or bona fide gift to some family members. In-laws and cousins are excluded. So, can't give your cousin or your in-law. My brother-in-law, my wife's brother, has one of my firearms. I loaned it to him several years ago. If H.R. 8 passes, that's illegal. That's illegal. Um, the family exemption vanishes if one family member pays the other in any way. If a brother trades an extra shotgun to his sister in exchange for her extra television, both of them, both of them have to go to the gun store. Now, can you imagine the hardship this is going to put on people? If you want to give your brother or your sister, if you want to trade them a gun for a television, or you want to trade them a shotgun for a rifle, you've got to go to a gun store to do that. And that exchange will have all the fees and paperwork as if she were going to buy a gun from the store. Then you can't share guns on public and private property. You know, somehow when you go to a, sometimes when you go to a shooting range and your buddy's got a new gun and you'd like to shoot that thing or you've got a shiny new uh, gun and he'd like to shoot your shiny new gun, he or she would like to do that. Well, guess what? Under HRH, you can't do it. You'd have to go to a gun store to get permission to transfer that gun at the shooting range. H.R. 8 prohibits firearm sharing on public or private lands that have not been designated for the purpose of target shooting. For example, let's say you own a 120-acre farm. Your cousins and brother-in-laws come for a visit, and they want to camp outside. 
and you want to loan them your handgun for protection. Never know when a grizzly bear is going to come up, right? Well, this is forbidden under H.R. 8. Under the bill, the family must travel to a gun store to present, uh, to process the loan and collect the fees. Later, when your relatives want to return your handgun, guess what? There must be another trip to the gun store with the same paperwork and fees. And under H.R. 8, the returned of a loan gun is treated the same as a purchase of a new gun. No exemption for loaning firearms to a museum. <laughs> Can't even loan one to a museum. And safe storage is discouraged under H.R. 8. Consider a person who will be away from home for an extended period, say a member of the armed services going on deployment. And he wants you to secure his gun or her gun in your safe while they're gone. Under H.R. 8, you can't do that. You can't do that. Guns are less likely, of course, to be stolen by burglars if they're in somebody's home that's occupied and if they have it under lock and key in a safe. But under H.R. 8, neighbor A can only store neighbor B's guns if both persons go on to a gun store and get all the paperwork done. And then when uh, uh, neighbor B comes back from deployment in Afghanistan or wherever it might be, then you got to go back to the gun store and pay the fees and get it transferred again. You think I'm making this up? Read it. H.R. 8. H.R. 8. Did I tell you they were coming for your guns? Did a lot of you tell me, oh, there's no way, there's too many guns in the United States. They're not going to do that. People would create a, hey, they're coming. Joe Biden promised he was coming for your AR-14s. He promised he was coming for that. He promised he was going to do that. Well, he's keeping his promise, and the Democrats are going right along with him. And a few puny Republicans are doing the same thing. Then you got H.R. 1446. The Enhanced Background Check Act of 2021 will increase the waiting period an FFL must wait before transferring a firearm without an answer to a background check from three business days after the background check was submitted to 10 business days after a petition by the customer is filed. The customer, the person on whom the background check was run and for which an answer was not received, must submit an electronic petition for review by the U.S. Attorney General, certifying there's no reason for them to believe that they wouldn't pass the background check. If there's still no answer, 10 business days after the customer's petition was filed, the firearm may be transferred. Additionally, the bill changes the language of the category to prohibited persons, Currently, those who have been adjudicated as mental defective, among others prohibiting factors, may not lawfully possess firearms or ammunition. The bill would change the language to adjudicated with mental illness, severe developmental disability, or severe emotional instability. Well, emotional instability, huh? So maybe if you've ever been to a therapist, maybe you're a military guy who came back with PTSD, Maybe you've uh, needed some counseling, psychological counseling at one time. Guess what? You're probably on the chopping block. Why is this bill a bad idea? Well, Larry Keene of the National Shooting Sports Foundation summarized the problems with this bill well when he said, if the bill is the same as what was introduced in the last Congress, we will be opposed to it now as we were then. This bill increases the burden on small business firearm retailer owners and flips the burden of proof on its head. 
This would make it incumbent upon the law-abiding citizen to prove his or her innocence to the government to exercise their Second Amendment right. So, the Enhanced Background Check of 2021 proposes to change the law concerning background check requirements. The bill, if made into law, will remove the section which allows a federal firearms uh, licensee to transfer a firearm if a response is not received to the background check within three days. So, folks, it's coming. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. And they're going to do it all in the name of safety and all in the name of, of uh, we're going to protect you, all in that name. Well, pretty soon we're not going to be able to protect ourselves. Pretty soon they're going to come get, well, by golly, they won't get my guns. I'll get my guns when they pry my cold, dead fingers from around it. Well, that's no big deal to them. You don't want to turn in your gun. That's no big deal. They just shouldn't shoot you. Just look at you to come into compliance. Folks, this is tyranny at its finest. Tyranny at its finest. They've locked us down for a year. We've allowed them to lock us down behind these masks and hide out in the basement for the last year. You can't work. You can't go to church. You can't go to a restaurant. They've locked us down. They've put us behind masks. They've kept us away from each other. And during this time, uh, uh, suicide, suicide has gone through the roof. Spousal abuse has gone through the roof. Mental illness has gone through the roof. Everything that's uh, they're trying to prevent, they're supposedly trying to prevent with this mask mandate and with this uh, uh, social distancing and with this quarantining and cloistering away, everything that they say that they're trying to prevent, all they're doing is wrecking our society. So the three good news stories that I presented at the beginning of this commentary, we might not have that opportunity much longer. We might not have the opportunity to defend ourselves or our family. We might not have the opportunity to um, protect our home. We might not have the opportunity to buy a gun for uh, sporting purposes. We, we might not have an opportunity to uh, trade a gun with a cousin uh, or loan a gun to a cousin or uh, a ranch hand. We might not have the opportunity to have any freedom at all. We might, uh, this universal background check, this expanded background check, all it is is a ploy by the government to take control of your Second Amendment rights and to destroy those Second Amendment rights. And if you're concerned about it, you should be. If you're not concerned about it, get your head out of the sand. Get your head out of the sand. I'm sick and tired of being politically correct and tiptoeing around these people that say, oh, well, we want gun control. You know, gun control saves lives. No, gun control doesn't save lives. The only thing that gun control does is take the guns out of the hands of the law-abiding citizen. Do you think that the criminal is going to turn their guns in? Do you think the criminal is going down to the local gun store? 
and fill out some paperwork to transfer a gun? No, because they're a criminal. They can't do it. If they go to the gun store, they'll be denied that privilege, which they should be. But they're still going to have the guns. You and I are going to be the ones that don't have them. You and I are going to be the ones that suffer. You and I are going to uh, uh, be in a position where the only thing we've got to defend against a guy with a machete is a whistle or a noisemaker or some pepper spray. Folks, they're coming after you. They're coming after your guns. Who is the they? The they is the government. Was it just the Democrats? No. It's the swamp. And there's a lot of Republicans in that swamp, too. And you'll be probably surprised to know that I am no longer a member of the Republican Party. Last week, my wife and I uh, dropped out of the Republican Party and became members of the non-affiliated party. I left the Democrats a long time ago, and I'm fed up with the Republicans, too, as they sit back and watch the Democrats shove this stuff down our throat. You know, we had a supermajority just a couple of years ago. We did nothing. We sat on our hands and did nothing. And now the Democrats are in control. Don't think they're going to sit on their hands. They're in full attack mode, and the Republicans are going to sit back and watch it happen. And I'm just sick of it. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of it. Well, the good news in all this, the good news in all this is that God is still in control. Yes, he is. Even in these perilous times, God is still in control. And God loves you, and he loves me. And uh, he's going to take us all to heaven one of these days. Maybe today. Wouldn't that be great if Jesus came back today? Wouldn't that be a good news story? Boy, we could have a podcast on that from up in heaven, couldn't we? Hey, maybe we could interview Jesus or Moses or Peter or James or Matthew. Maybe we could interview some of those guys for the next podcast. (laughs) Well, listen, the good news is, is that Jesus is alive, Jesus is well, and he's in control. Now, folks, we're going to go through some perilous times, and our rights are under attack, our First Amendment rights. They've taken our freedom of speech away. You know, you know, they might not publish this podcast. Who knows? Uh, once somebody listens to it, they might say, this guy's nuts. We're not going to, you know, I might have the, uh, the uh, black Suburbans pull up in front of my house or something, you know. But the freedom of speech they've wrecked at, they're going to uh, work on the churches, they're working on your guns, they're working on the currency. You know, people are sitting at home waiting for the next COVID relief check. Oh, I could go on and on and on, but I won't. We've pretty much spent enough time on this today. But listen, you might say, well, what's this? What, what is the good news in all this? Well, I gave you three good news stories right at the beginning of this podcast where a good guy had a gun and defended himself or herself against the bad guy. Enjoy those stories now because we might not have them very much longer. Well, it's been great to be with you today. <laughs> and uh, thank you for allowing me to get on my soapbox there just a little bit. And uh, I want you to know that, 
you know, the time for action is now. And when I say action, I'm not talking about taking up arms. I'm talking about writing your congressmen, writing your senators, getting involved in the election process, uh, uh, getting out on the street and holding up a sign in a peaceful demonstration. The time now is not to bury our head in the sand. It's not to be in the basement. It's to be active in seeing that these uh, statists, these tyrannists, don't uh, take over our great country. And they're trying their best to do it. Well, next week we'll be back, and hopefully we'll have uh, some good news. Hopefully we'll have an interview lined up next week, and and uh, we'll, we'll depart from this. But uh, I needed to bring you up to date on some of those Biden predictions I made, and some of them are coming true. I told you at the time I hope none of them came true, but unfortunately some of them are coming true, aren't they? Well, listen, you take care of yourselves. You be careful out there. Get involved. Get involved. Call somebody up today that you haven't talked to for a long time and say, hey, you know, just been missing you. Just love you. Uh, appreciate everything you've done in my life and been a part of my life. Uh, do that today. Do something nice for somebody. Get out and do something nice for somebody today. And, uh, boy, uh, if everybody did that, if everybody just did something nice for somebody else and we forgot about ourselves for a while, that'd be good, wouldn't it? But don't sit at home and let this government take over. Uh, don't let them turn this country that you and I both love into a socialist or a communist country. Well, you say, oh, Jerry, you're nuts. Well, yeah, I'm just a little bit nuts. I'll admit that. But uh, if I didn't tell you the truth, I wouldn't love you, would I? Well, listen, thanks again for being with us. Uh, I hope uh, you'll be with us the next time. I hope we meet again soon. But until we do, have a great week, and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye.